What's going on guys? This is Dallas with Horror of Your Lives. I asked Hunter Shea today if I could read from one of his books. Um, or some from some of his work. And I thought I'd start with my favorite Hunter Shea novel so far. It's called The Jersey Devil. It says, Nature makes mistakes. The legend lives. Everyone knows the legend of the Jersey Devil. Some believe it is an abomination of nature, a hybrid winged beast from hell that stalks the pine barrens of southern New Jersey, searching for prey. Others believe it is a hoax, a campfire story designed to scare children, but one man knows the truth. The devil awakes. Sixty years ago, Boompa Willet came face to face with the devil and lived to tell the tale. Now the creature's stomping grounds are alive once again, with strange sightings, disappearances, and worse. After all these years, Boompa must return to the barrens, not to prove the legend is real, but to wipe it off the face of the earth. The beast must die. It'll take more than just courage to defeat the devil. It will take four generations of the Willet clan, a lifetime of survivalist training, and all the firepower they can carry. The timing is critical. The summer music festival has attracted crowds of teenagers. The woods are filled with tender young prey. But this time, the devil is not alone. The evil has grown into an unholy horde of mutant monstrosities, and hell has come home to New Jersey. So, I think that's kind of funny that it said, uh, tender young prey. <laughs> um, the Jersey Devil. Let's see. First printing, September 2016. You know what they say, getting old ain't for pussies. Raymond Gibbons justified. Chapter 1, five years earlier. Jane Moreland couldn't believe how heavy Henry was. Now that he was dead weight and started to ripen, she should have done this last night, right when it happened. But she'd needed to clear her head. Polishing off the bottle of Knob Creek and passing out on the kitchen table hadn't helped matters much. Well, no sense complaining. She'd been due a little me time. She woke up afternoon, unsure of what had transpired the night before, until she saw him lying there beside the sofa, neck all twisted to one side and his face blue as a smirk. At least there isn't blood all over the place, she thought. Just a little at the corner of his mouth, none on the carpet. One less thing she had to worry about. There was no way she could get him in the truck during the day without anyone seeing. To kill time, she took a long hot bath, washed and dried a load of laundry, drank three bottles of Coors that had been tucked away in the back of the fridge watched a Jimmy Stewart movie on TMC and chain-smoked half a pack of coffin nails. The entire time, her eyes kept flicking to the clock, then the window, waiting for the sun to check out. She found some old jeans and a 38 Special Concert t-shirt, put on her scuffed cowboy boots, and tied her blonde hair in a high ponytail. So far, so good. When it was half past six, she dragged an old throw rug from the garage laid it next to her husband and turned him into it with a whole lot of grunting and sweat. She thought it would be, easy as, be as easy as rolling up a burrito. <laughs> Back when she was in high school, she worked at a burrito joint owned by a pair of Chinese brothers with deep southern accents. She'd never been able to rec reconcile the words coming out of those faces. It was a time before Chipotle, when a burrito was a mushy thing you got at a Mexican restaurant that tasted like crap. The job and the place didn't last very long, 
In the two months she worked there, she became an expert at making burritos so fat they were just about to bust out of their flower straitjackets. A dead Henry, she learned quickly, was a hell of a lot more to handle than shredded beef, beans, and rice. Once she'd got the rug around him and cinched off the ends with duct tape, she sat propped up against his cocoon body and laughed, wondering how many burritos it would take to equal Henry's total mass. Logic dictated that she should have been distressed at this point, perhaps freaked out or even, dare say, remorseful. You didn't even earn my remorse, she said to the rug-encased corpse, giving it a hard slap as she stood up. Good old boy Henry was a righteous bastard, a redneck from some pissant town in South Carolina who'd made his way to New Jersey via a construction job when he was in his 20s. They'd met at Dingo's Bar when she was still two years from legal drinking age. At first, she'd been entranced, as young dumb girls will be, by his sweet southern accent. She heard him order a Jack and Coke over the din of meatheads and was immediately drawn to the rugged cutie with long hair and five-day stubble. He couldn't have been out more. He couldn't have stood out more if he had worn an alien mask and bikini. They dated for six months, took a trip to Vegas, and became a cliché. It took a whole year before the real Henry Moreland came out. He smacked her across the face in a drunken stupor one night because she didn't hand him the TV remote fast enough. The rest is the same sad story that too many women confess to at shelters or police stations. After a while, Jane didn't know who she hated more, Henry for being an abusive asshole or herself for not having the guts to run away. On nights she couldn't sleep, she'd let her mind linger on all the different ways she could make him disappear. That was her happy place. Poison his dinner, cut the brake lines in his truck, loosen the top step going down to the basement. The possibilities were endless. Thinking about it always settled her down. That's all they were, private thoughts. Jane knew she was too chicken shit to actually do anything. Hell, she couldn't even bring herself to jump in the car and just drive until she had a border crossing north to south. South, It didn't matter. And then he came home last night so drunk he could barely stand. He'd parked his pickup on the front lawn, stopping just a few feet from the house. Jane had been reading in her favorite lounge chair, the one with the little head cushion on the ground level porch. It had been a nice night, and even the bugs tapping against the overhead light didn't bother her much. If Henry had applied the brakes just a hair later, he would have killed her. She should have been fuming at him. No, it was the other way around. He stomped past her, burst into the door, screaming incoherently, a ball of bud dangling in his fingertips, sloshing suds all around. Henry, what are you saying? she asked tensing up for the inevitable. He'd cracked one of her ribs the week before. It was just starting to heal. She knew another shot to her right side would break the rib entirely, and he was not taking her to a hospital anytime soon. When he swung at her for what old Henry and God knew, she twisted away, protecting her vulnerable side. That's when he kind of corkscrewed in the center of the living room. His feet went out from under him, and he pitched forward. So drunk he didn't have the sense to put his arms out to break his fall. His head thwacked the corner of the coffee table. And just like that, he was dead. His neck swiveled to an angle the human spine is not meant to support. He was dead so fast his body didn't even twitch. Jane heard a sickening crack, like marbles being smashed together. When she got the courage to get close to him, 
Kneeling on the floor so she could see if he was breathing, she saw that the lights in his eyes had been turned off for good. Henry was the second person to die in front of her. The first was her grandpa, who suffered a fatal heart attack during Thanksgiving dinner when she was eight. He was talking one second, asking her mother for more yams, and gone the next. His head on the plate, peas and carrots smashed under his cheek, staring at her with graying eyes. Jane couldn't call the cops because all of Henry's friends were on the force. He liked to tell them that if anything ever happened to him, Jane was suspect number one. Sure, they laughed it off when he said it, but she couldn't trust them any further than she could throw Henry. Henry knew that there might come a day when he pushed her to her breaking point. That was his way of letting her know she'd never get away with it. Bet you didn't see that coming, she said to the open trunk. The back of her old Honda sagged a bit from his weight. It was going to take a hell of a lot to get him out of there, but she had plenty of time and no fear of prying eyes. Jersey's Pine Barrens, or Pinelands as the locals called them, were vast and dark and sparsely populated. The moment Henry took that dive, she knew she'd end up here. The Barrens were an infamous dumping ground for bodies. Henry was just another log on the fire. The critters in wilderness would make quick work of him. It was a two-hour ride, two ride from their house to this spot. She remembered it from the nature walk she used to take with her father. The trail was a mile from here. She found a break in the trees and drove as fast as she could. Decayed leaves crunched under tires. They would cover up the fresh grave nicely. She almost popped a vein in her neck, getting Henry out of the trunk. His body made a soft thud when it hit the ground. Wiping her brow, she grabbed the shovel and flashlight and got to work. As she dug, she thought about what she'd do when she got back. Dozens of scenarios swam through her head. Whenever she started to cry about being accused of murder, she'd shout out loud, Habeas Corpus! Not that she was any kind of law expert, but she'd watched enough law and order to have a little confidence in her assessment of the situation. Corpus had to mean corpse, and her husband sure fit that, sure fit that bill. Now the habeas part, she was just spitballing. Without a corpse, they'd have to leave her be. Wasn't that the gist? Or was there another word for it? No matter if she didn't care, if it took a year from everything to die down and go away, she'd proven she was patient. Lost in her dreams of new life, the head-piercing screech that ripped through the night, still night air made her drop her shovel. What the hell was that? Jane grabbed the flashlight, propped on the edge of the grave, the beam swept through the trees. What kind of animal makes a noise like that? She couldn't stop the hammering of her heart. It was one thing to hear an odd cry during the light of day. Hear something like that in the dead of night in the middle of a primeval forest, and it got your attention. <laughs> Jane picked up the shovel, now holding it, as a, holding it as a weapon. She waited, her chest rising and falling faster and faster. A soft breeze ruffled the trees. She saw hundreds, if not thousands, of twinkling pinpricks in the sky. She didn't dare move or make a noise. Whatever it was, it either sounded as if it were royally pissed off or in pain. Could have been an owl. They're supposed to sound like a woman screaming. So are deer when they're afraid. Her body tensed. What's out here that would scare a deer like that? I don't know, but it scared me pretty good right about now, she said, comforted by the sound of her own voice. The jolt of fear snapped her to reality for the first time since Henry had taken his fatal fall. Holy shit! I'm out in the middle of nowhere, burying my husband. What the hell's wrong with me? Grrr. Oh my God, she yelped, swinging the shovel in every direction in an effort to protect herself. 
The growl sounded near and dangerous. A river of cold sweat trickled between her breasts. She'd never been so scared in all her life. Not even the night Henry broke the bedroom door down with a fireplace poker, trying to get at her because he was drunk and horny and angry as hell that the Yankees had lost the playoffs to the Tigers. Beaten by Niggertown, he'd spat over and over again, even while he was on top of her, grunting and pumping too long because he had a full case of whiskey dick. She'd been terrified that night, but she knew he couldn't hump and swear forever. He'd eventually roll off her and pass out. Now she wasn't so sure what would happen. Stay away from me, she said, without, with faltering conviction. She saw the rug with Henry wrapped up inside, and for the first time in over a decade, she wished he were here. The flat flap of wings whooshed overhead. Jane looked up but didn't see a thing. Eyes flickering around her, a scream froze in her throat as she watched something swoop down and carry the carpet and Henry away. There weren't any birds that could do that. Henry weighed over 200 pounds. It would take a damn pterodactyl to get him off the ground. No, 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 no. The shovel clanged to the bottom of the grave as she struggled to get out. Her car was only 15 feet away. She had to get inside. The soft soil crumbled in her hands. The more she struggled for a solid hole, the worse it got, like quicksand. Jane tried jumping straight out of the hole, but she dug it too deep. She hit the edge hard with her chest, knocking the wind out of her. Her feet and hands fought to get any kind of purchase. It seemed as if everything gave way at once. She fell on her back, staring in horror as one side of the grave poured on top of her. That insane flapping noise returned. Maybe it's better I just stay in here and wait for it to leave. If it thinks I'm gone, it won't stick around. Jane gathered more soil, covering her body from the neck down. She clicked her flashlight off, trying her best to steady her breathing so as not to make a sound. When she heard another growl, she almost screamed. She had to clench her lower lip between her teeth, drawing blood, to keep from crying out. Hot tears dripped from the corners of her eyes. You did this to me, Henry. I wouldn't be here if you hadn't turned into a monster. I keep kept telling my I kept telling you that drinking was going to kill you someday. God damn you. God damn you. Jane wept as quietly as she could. Wept as quietly as she could, holding on to her belief that if Henry that it was Henry that put her in this position. Before she knew it, she was fast asleep. The stress of the past 24 hours having bled her dry of her last ounce of energy. The flickering sun filtering through the trees woke her up. When she lifted her hand to block the rays, sand and dirt fell in her eyes. She was cold. The case of the shivers hit her hard. Birds chirped. The woodpecker hammered away on a nearby tree. Thank you, God, she whispered, emerging from the soil like it was, she was in a cheap zombie movie. Now that she wasn't in a panic and could see what she was doing, getting out of the hole was a whole lot easier. Any hopes that what had happened last night was a dream brought on by temporary insanity were dashed when she saw that Henry was still missing. What the hell could have taken him? Jane had heard that there were bald eagles in the Pinelands. Didn't eagles carry off baby cows? A baby cow could weigh as much as a man, couldn't it? No, they weren't that strong. She'd go online to check when she got home, home, where for the first time she could actually relax without fear of madness to come. Her hands shook as she fumbled for her car keys. At least that bird did me a favor. Hopefully he took Henry someplace he'll never be found. Dropping the shovel and flashlight in the trunk, she wondered if she could ever cover up the hole. Nah, people see that, they'll think some kids were just messing around. 
She didn't think she had the strength to fill it back up anyway. It felt as if she'd been cored and bled dry. A shower, Valium, glass of wine, and proper sleep in her bed. That's what she needed. The car door opened with a loud creak. Henry was always promising to grease up those hinges. A burst of wind washed over her just before a pair of sharp claws dug into her shoulders. In an instant, she was looking down at the top of her car. She tried to scream, but nothing would come out. Leathery wings flapped on either side, the cool morning air biting her flesh. Up and up she went until her mind saved itself by shutting completely down. Okay, that was chapter one of a book called The Jersey Devil by Hunter Shea, my favorite horror author. And tomorrow, um, barring any uh, interruptions, uh, I'll work on chapter two. This is going to be fun. I actually like reading like this, but I know sometimes my, my mouth gets faster than my brain. I kind of skip over some words a little bit, but I apologize for that. Um, hopefully you get the book. What he meant to say, don't let me screw it up for you. And you could always go to Barnes & Noble or order his books on Amazon or eBay. Um, I got most of mine through Barnes & Noble anyway. Um, my wife has been the rock of Gibraltar for me with my books and my reading. Um, I read as any minute I can possibly get. Um, I think I read 16 of his books in, what, a couple of days, it seemed like, Shell? His books turn the pages by themselves. You're just along for the ride. Remember those old, remember back in the day when they had those old flip books? And you could flip and how fast you wanted the pictures to go by. Well, basically, that's what this book does. Take your time. Be before you know it, it's over. So take your time. Enjoy it. Scare the hell out of yourself. Grab the nearest soft thing you could rub up against. And stay scared, my friends. Remember, tomorrow, Chapter 2, The Jersey Devil by Hunter Shea. Laters.